0: What's good, y'all? Welcome to Oakland. You should be standing under the shade of a large oak tree by the front steps of the school. So pop up on top of those stairs and turn towards the street. Don't worry, the school knows you're coming by. You're looking at a handful of 100-year-old homes on a quiet residential street in North Oakland. This is the Santa Fe neighborhood. To locals, though, you're an NSO, or... Ice City. If you're a real estate agent, you probably say we're in Nobe. That's N-O-B-E. The N-O stands for North Oakland, and the B-E stands for Berkeley and Emeryville. That's where property owners want you to think you are, because those towns make people feel safer, and they can charge more rent. It's crazy how the same place can be different things to different people, right? In the 1950s, this building behind you was Santa Fe Elementary School. Every day, a kid named Huey P. Newton would bust out of those doors and go looking for trouble. He'd usually find it, too. We're going to catch up with Huey P. in a minute, but for now, step over to that time machine. What? You don't see it? Well, it's cleverly disguised as a gray handrail along the stairs on your right. Go ahead and slide down it. Take a trip with me. Welcome to 1967. Muhammad Ali is refusing to fight in the Vietnam War. Thurgood Marshall just became the country's first black Supreme Court justice. Aretha Franklin's R-E-S-P-E-C-T is topping the billboard charts. This oak tree here, it's about yay high. And little Huey P. Newton is now in his early 20s and has started a political party. They're calling themselves the Black Panther Party for self-defense. Oh. Sounds like school is out. We're about to get mobbed by a bunch of little black kids and bell bottoms. Watch yourself. Let's follow these kids for a bit. If you're facing the street, turn right and head down the block. That's Market Street up ahead. Excuse me, I haven't introduced myself. My name is Davin Anthony Thompson. I go by do that. I'm an MC, an educator and I work for an organization called Beats, Rhymes, and Life. We use hip-hop as a catalyst for change and development in young people's lives. Oh, take a left here and keep walking up Market Street. Where was I? Oh, that's right. (laughs) I was talking about myself. I grew up in Oakland, always hearing about the Panthers, but not in schools and not in textbooks. My parents and grandparents would tell Panther stories, you know, oral tradition and all of that. And now it's my turn to tell those stories. You see that intersection up ahead? It's pretty crazy at rush hour these days. But back in 1967, there wasn't a stoplight. And it was way worse. A couple of kids from Santa Fe Elementary were struck and killed by cars that spring. The community got a petition going and demanded to have a stoplight installed. The city said they'd get around to it. Well, some people didn't take kindly to that. They decided to take matters into their own hands. So one day, the school bell rang. These kids were booking up the block, weaving around these signposts, hopping off these walls, and they come face-to-face with the baddest crossing guards they had ever seen. See that stoplight at the corner? Pull up right next to it. As you approach the intersection, imagine this scene. Honking cars backed up in every direction, neighbors out on their porches, police cars pulled up on sidewalks, (laughs) red-faced cops staring in disbelief. Lean against this stoplight. What did those cops see? Young black men in leather jackets with crooked berets, carrying shotguns, escorting elementary school children across the street. These hip, strapped-up crossing guards were the Black Panthers.
1: What do you think you're doing out here?
0: Black guys with shotguns directing traffic. That's crazy, right? Well, maybe. But in 1967, it was also legal in California. QEP Newton was a law student. He, he actually carried law books around with him. So when the police confronted the Panthers at this intersection, Newton would prove their actions were legal by quoting the law to the officers. We are operating well within our rights. Now back the fuck up. And what do you know? The city got that stoplight installed ahead of schedule. You're leaning against one of the Panthers' first contributions to Oakland. Before we go... Step back from the stoplight and look up at the top of the post. You see that yellow and black sign? It looks official, right? You would think the city made it, but it was actually made by some students at the California College of Arts. They wanted to keep that Panther history alive, just like my folks. So we're gonna cross the street twice here. You just gotta wait for the light. It doesn't matter which way you go, as long as you end up at that building with the brown doors catacorned from us now. That feels good, right? Just crossing the street. A little white crosswalk fella pops up and all the cars stop. You don't have to worry about getting run over. Your tax dollars just protected you from getting squished. That's the system working as it should. And that's all the Panthers wanted for the kids in their community. All right, you should be standing in front of two red doors. Now, this building here, this is a historic landmark. This is the Black Panthers Pennsylvania State House. Go ahead, read the plaque, I'll wait. Just kidding. There's no plaque. I'll have to tell you about it myself. This building used to be the North Oakland Service Center. It provided legal aid to the community. It was a part of the Federal Anti-Poverty Program. Huey Newton worked here as a community organizer with a guy named Bobby Seale. They'd been a part of all kinds of progressive organizations, but they were always disappointed. The intellectuals weren't from the street, and the activists didn't see the bigger picture. So Huey and Bobby formed their own group right here at their day job. They used the center's library to write a founding manifesto. They called it their 10-point program. So walk back towards the corner of 55th and Market. You see that telephone pole on your left? I want you to stop there. Now imagine Bobby bringing a copy of the party's program down the stairs and out to this pole. Fresh ink, damp on the sheet. Imagine him nailing it to this pole, in full view of the intersection where those kids had got killed. This is how the Black Panthers started. They were going to change the world. Here's Bobby laying down those 10 points. One,
2: we want freedom. We want power to determine the destiny of our own black communities. Two, we want full employment for our people. Three, we want decent housing fit for shelter of human beings. Four, we want an end to the robbery of the black community by the white racist businessman.
0: Five, Want decent education that teaches us about the true nature of this racist, decadent system. I'm going to interrupt Bobby for a second. Walk up to the corner, take a right, and head down market. Okay, go ahead, Bobby. Six, we
2: want all black brothers to be exempt from military service.
0: Seven, we want an immediate end to police
2: brutality and murder of black people. Eight... We want all black brothers and sisters held in federal, county, state, city, jails, and prisons to be released because they have not had a fair trial. Number nine, we just want the courts to make sure we have peers on the jury or people from the black community as defined by their jive constitution, the so-called United States. Pretend on land, on bread, on housing, on
0: clothing, on education justice. We want peace. That's bold, right? Whew. The government heard this and they were like, uh, well, uh, but I think we can get you some bread. But in 1967, to the people in these houses along Market, with Malcolm already in the ground and Martin soon to join him, this was air. This was hope. Cross 56 up here, wait for me at the beige house with the red steps at the corner. The first to answer the Panthers' call was a 16-year-old kid named Robert James Hutton. They called him Lil' Bobby. He was the Panthers' first recruit. They named him Treasurer. This is his house. You're standing in front of steps that Little Bobby Hutton could take four at a time. He was from Arkansas, but his family came to Oakland to escape the KKK. In Oakland, the Huttons were met by new government-sanctioned harassers, the Oakland Police Department. OPD operated with impunity out here, stopping people at will, jacking their things. Little Bobby Hutton joined the party to combat a lifetime of persecution. His family had this home, but in Oakland they didn't feel free. All right, let's keep going. With Little Bobby's house on your left, walk down the street. The house next door to the Huttons always catches my eye. It's kind of new, kind of old. Seems like it's halfway through some sort of metamorphosis, just like my city. Oakland, if nobody told you, is blowing up right now. Downtown is popping, everybody's got mustaches and pays $5 for coffee. Brooklyn the West and all of that. And the rent, the rent is too damn high. Here come the Subarus. That's what real estate agents say. Subarus mean white couples with kids. They're like a fertilizer for housing prices. If you feel like it, you can keep a tally of the Subarus on this walk. But while Oakland is suddenly home to all these new Forester families, people of color who have lived here for generations are being priced out and moved to the suburbs. 30% of the city's black population has left Oakland since 2001. One effect of this real estate life cycle is Oakland is losing its own history. Newton and Seal are Oakland's Rosa Parks and Malcolm X. Right now there's nothing and soon there will be no one here to tell their stories. I learned a word recently, palimpsest. I like this word. Say it with me. Palimpsest. The palimpsest is what's left behind when something gets wiped out. Like the way you can't totally erase letters from a chalkboard? A ghost of the writing that's left behind. We'll keep an eye out for palimpsest along the way, echoes of that Panther history. feeling that music? That's from a band called The Lumpin. They were the Black Panthers house band. Lumpin is short for lumpin Proletariat. It means working man. They did revolutionary covers for pop songs. They take songs like Curtis Mayfield's People Get Ready which says you don't need a ticket just get on board and change it to you don't need a ticket you need a loaded gun. When you get to the end of this fence take a left. See, that was the Panthers' appeal. They hooked you with something familiar, then tied it to bigger revolutionary ideas. This is Emory Douglas talking about how he joined the Panthers. I didn't come into
1: the organization itself as a uh, scholar or intellectual. I come in like many who were just frustrated with the system, as you see today, and the abuse. It's not like I have this grand vision
0: that Hugh and Bobby had, you know. Emery would become the Panthers' Minister of Culture. Okay, stop at that birdhouse-looking thing. Just past the fence. Now, this here is a little free library. It belongs to a fella named Reno, who lives here. People can take and leave books whenever they like. I like these libraries. Reno is basically saying it's cool. Come hang out on my lawn. So, go ahead. Open it up. There should be a stack of small red books in there. Go ahead and take one. This is quotations from Mao Zedong, also known as the Little Red Book. Chairman Mao founded the People's Republic of China. He was big with progressives and activists in the 60s. This was a Panther textbook. Now, if greedy capitalists have taken all of the books, don't sweat it. I just sent you scans of the pages that we'll be looking at. Turn to page 60. Go ahead, I'll wait. Read the quote that starts revolution and revolutionary wars are inevitable in a class society. I also like the quote on page 61. Every communist must grasp the truth. Political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. Okay, one more. Turn the page, bottom of 63. This was Huey's favorite quote from that. Read it with me. We are advocates for the abolition of war. We do not want war, but war can only be abolished through war. And in order to get rid of the gun, you must take up the gun. Now is that irony or hypocrisy? You decide. We'll come back to these ideas later. Okay, put the book back. We don't have enough for everyone. Be a good socialist and share with your comrades. All right. Keep walking in the same direction with the street on your right. Now, in 1967, you could buy a little red book in Oakland's Chinatown for about a quarter. But the Panthers discovered that college kids at Berkeley would buy it off of them for five bucks. Now that's what we in Oakland call a come up. And what did they do with that money? They bought guns, man. The gun thing was tricky, though. On one hand, strapping up in public brought them free publicity and national notoriety. And the Panthers were disciples of Malcolm X who said, be peaceful, be courteous, obey the law. But if someone puts their hands on you, you put them in a cemetery. Up ahead is Eileen Street. Cross the street and keep it pushing. Now, on the other hand, Newton and Seal felt that the real revolution was in what they called their community survival programs. Services like the free breakfast program for kids and the sickle cell anemia test for children. These programs built goodwill within the community and grew their numbers. But in 1967, they decided they had to take up the gun so they could put the gun down later. And so, in the shootout with the Oakland police, two days after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., the Black Panthers' little Bobby Hutton was murdered. He had already been captured by the police. He was half-naked and unarmed when they told him to run, and they shot him 12 times in the back. He was just 17. Little Bobby Hutton was the first Panther to die for their struggle. There's a Little Bobby Hutton Day every April in Oakland. At the corner ahead, turn right cross Genoa. See that free library on the corner? Stop there for a second. This is Nate and Veronica's house. If you jacked a little red book and you're feeling bad about it, don't trip. You can put it back here. Also, I left some bookmarks from a cool, black-owned bookstore nearby. So go ahead and grab one. So let's keep it moving. Uh, keep Nate and Veronica's house on your right. Walk up 57th. Oh, look at all the trees on this block. So you're going to come up on a tall brown fence. Keep an eye out for little peepholes a couple of steps after the beginning of the fence. If your Oakland legend too short, they'll probably be right at eye level. Take a look through those holes. Name Veronica have got a full-on farm going on back there. It's called Think of 57. There's always some bees doing their thing and usually a couple of chickens right through the last hole. It's cool, right? Alright, pause me if you want to do some bee whispering. If not, let's keep walking. So look across the street at that busted-ass house covered in graffiti. That's an anarchist squatter house called Hilarity. That's H-E-L-L. Those dudes were some of the troublemakers during the Occupy movement here in Oakland. They'd like to throw bottles during peaceful protests and get black people arrested. So let's keep it moving. Over to the right, walk to the second house past the fence, number 835. There's usually a bunch of potted trees in the driveway. Take a look at the tree closest to the street. It's got a bunch of succulents around it. My partner Kimba planted it when her mom's died 20 years ago. She wrote a poem as it grew. Go ahead, touch it.
3: Deep groves in the trunk have become gnarly, making it rough to the touch. Green translucent leaves let in wisps of sunlight that send rays all the way to the ground. This is the place that I feel my mother in the nature of things. I find her there.
0: Things were tough for Kimball when she moved to Oakland. She had been working as a guard at Soledad Prison. She had five kids and had just gotten divorced. When she moved here, all she saw was blight.
3: Coming from Soledad, there was a part of me that was broken. And the other side of me, there was a part of me that was challenged. I wanted to do something to beautify the area as well as assist the people.
0: Kimba created Urban Relief. They hire young folks to plant trees and make Oakland beautiful. Kimba's been responsible for planting 17,000 trees in Oakland, including just about everyone on this block. When I walk through, Kimba's often out here. She's got locks, and she's usually wearing a bandana. Really nice lady. Kimba benefited from the Panther survival programs early in her life.
3: I remember um, going to the the Black Panther Party, um, the free clinic, and my mother found out that three out of five of her children had sickle cell trait, and I'm one of them. Like the Panthers,
0: when Kimba saw a way to improve the living conditions of her community, she acted on it. Okay, let's get going. Keep walking in the same direction, towards that crooked no parking sign. My favorite story about the Panthers is how they would follow the police around their neighborhoods in cars full of armed cadres. They called it their police patrols. This is new.
2: When we first started, we had a police alert patrol. And uh, we would uh, patrol the community. If we saw the police uh, brutalizing anyone, we would put an end to this. Usually the police wouldn't brutalize anyone if we were on hand because we were armed. And uh, if the police arrested the individual, we would follow him to the jail and bail the individual out, uh, whether he was a Panther or not. Now that's kind of crazy,
0: but honestly, I don't think what the Panthers were doing back then is all that different than what folks are doing now. You know, filming cops with the cell phones and posting the videos of police brutality. The Panthers didn't have YouTube back then, you feel me? They got justice however they could. Stop at the gray house up on the right, number 809. It has a green Japanese maple tree out front. If you don't know what that looks like, well, maple tree leaves look like pot leaves. And if you don't know what those look like, um, I, I can't help you. It's number 809. So this is the house where Bobby Seal and his family lived. See that driveway? Seal's dad was always out there working on his car. The Panthers would come home from their police patrols, pull up on the curb, hop out and say peace to Mr. Seal. Then they'd head up through those stairs and pile their guns up on the living room table. Just hang out. Seal's mom would cook them spaghetti dinner. It's like they just came home from playing basketball or something. It's wild, right? Seals family lived in this spot for 50 years. In 2008, he sold the house and moved to Contra Costa County with his wife. It was flipped and sold for twice as much later that year. All right, head out to that big street. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Way. You might be wondering why we're all not strapped up in public nowadays. Well... Politicians didn't think it would be black people carrying guns when they wrote the law. So, when the Panthers started packing, the state quickly made it illegal. The Mulford Act was signed in 1967. The law was supported by the NRA. Ain't that a trip? Take a left here, cross 57th and keep on walking. Up ahead is Arlington Street. There's a checkered crosswalk at the end of the block. You see that big building across the street? That's the Children's Hospital Oakland Research Institute. It used to be a community college called Merritt College. Merritt was one of the most progressive activist college campuses in the country. The students at Merritt were always protesting something. Merritt was where Newton, Seal, and some of the other Black Panthers learned up on black intellectuals. It was also where they started their community organizing. When you get to the corner, take a right and cross MLK. Please look both ways at this crosswalk. It's really hectic here. Uh, We're gonna stop right under those BART tracks. Now, in 1967, the street wasn't called MLK yet. It was Grove Street, and this was Merritt College's Grove Street campus. There weren't any BART tracks here either. BART came along in 1972. When Oakland's tracks were built, the city bulldozed hundreds of homes. Most of them belong to the African-American families. And who was it that put up the displaced families? Who fought in the courts to get the relocation expenses? Yeah, the Panthers. One other thing, Oakland couldn't afford an underground bar like Berkeley could. So it gets hella loud when the train rolls through. Okay, see those stairs across the street over to the right? That's where we're headed. Again, watch out for cars, drivers out here don't play. So pop up on these steps real quick. Take a peek through the glass door. This building has been lots of things over the years. A college, a senior center, a drug den, a hospital. Each transformation has left something behind, the palimpsest. If you're looking through the glass, you'll see a memorial library from when this was a high school. That was even before Newton's time. Now when this was married, This library was his home away from home. Newton was a book rat. He loved reading. The only thing he loved more than reading was talking about what he was reading. Take a seat on those steps for a sec. Newton and the others would have conversations right on these steps, discussing peeps like France Fanon and James Baldwin. They started a student organization here at Merritt called the Soul Student Advisory Council. The council became a model for today's black student unions. The students were so into it that Merritt College started offering some of the first black history courses in the country. When this was a high school, people called it a feeder program for UC Berkeley. When it was Merritt College, it was a feeder program for the Black Panthers. They used Merritt's resources to run their survival programs. And they ran many of them right on this campus. They bused people to visit loved ones in prison. They registered voters. They gave sickle cell anemia tests to children. They were creating what they called a people's university, a true community college. Okay, let's bounce. Head back to the sidewalk that runs along MLK and swing the left. While we're walking, I'm gonna play you a song by the Lumpin that was performed a lot at Merritt College. They wrote this for Bobby Seale when he was arrested on some ish in 1968. Now, the Panthers' philosophies were first put into practice on these streets here in Oakland. But those philosophies were shared with the world through the Panthers' mouthpiece, the Black Panther newspaper. This is Henry Douglas again, talking about how the paper grew. Cadres of Panthers who
1: used to get up in the mornings, who used to take the paper out and sell it every morning, had, had routes in certain locations. They'd go downtown and, uh, to where people were catching the buses early in the morning or wherever and they would uh, sell papers, so everybody had
0: routes. Emory was the graphic artist. His drawings and artwork were the heart and soul of the paper. You see those red awnings up ahead? That's our next stop. At its peak, the Panthers were selling a quarter million papers nationally, a week. Paper sales brought hella money. It kept the party's 60 survival programs going, and it helped them open offices across the country. That kind of operation called for a headquarters. We're heading to It's All Good Bakery. Stop when you get to the second door. It's All Good is a Black-owned local business that's been selling knee-buckling sweet potato pies out of this spot for 20 years. In 1967, though, this was the Panthers' first headquarters. It's All Good's owner, a fella named Kim, bought the building in 1996, and found out its history afterwards. Turns out, Kim had participated in the Panthers' free breakfast program as a child. Now, if the bakery is closed, you'll still be able to do most of what we're talking about from the window. They're super friendly here. Sometimes there's a sign in the window saying, now hiring friendly people. If it's open, step inside and walk over to the wall of newspapers on your left. The Panthers' headquarters was always popping. It was managed by Huey's best friend and Panther Chief of Staff, David Hilliard. David's role was to oversee the day-to-day madness, distribute papers, supervise the programs, train new cadres, all that stuff. This display was created using original copies of the Black Panther paper. And the gang's all here. You got the charismatic Fred Hampton in the upper right-hand corner. Um, He was the Panther's leader in Chicago. Bobby Seale is in the third row, far right, And that's David Hilliard to the left of Seal. And that lady with the afro? Two papers to the left of Hilliard. That's Angela Davis. And there's Newton, of course. Look at that photo in the upper left-hand corner. That's the one that everyone knows. Huey in that wicker chair with the rifle and the spear. Newton hated that photograph. I told you, he was a bookworm. But people loved it, and he loved the people. That's some of Emory's artwork in the top row, one of his pig cartoons in the middle, and that famous drawing of a defiant dark-skinned revolutionary next to it. Community, not
1: being a reading community, but learning through uh, observation and participation, and trying to have a lot of photos in the paper whenever possible with captions so people can get the gist of the story from seeing the photographs. And using artwork became something
0: that was a reflection of the politics that we were talking about and involved in as well. We're gonna split in a sec, but first why don't you buy something and take it with you. I got a great spot for you to eat it later. Go ahead, take your time. Make sure you thank them for letting you look around. And I'll be waiting for you outside when you're ready to go. Okay, let's take a right and walk back towards Merritt College. Stop at that corner for a sec. At their peak in 1968, the Panthers had more than 40 chapters nationwide and 5,000 members. And they acquired more allies as they talked less about race and more about class oppression. In Chicago, Fran Hampton was building something called the Rainbow Coalition, a movement of unified oppressed Latinos, poor whites, basically all the pissed off people. In the 1968 Olympics, two American athletes gave the black power fist during their medal ceremony. The Panthers were changing the world. Nobody could have guessed how quickly things would go bad. Look out at what was the crown jewel of the Panthers' revolution. What the Panthers built at Merritt College embodies so much of the hopes and dreams written in the Newton and Seals Ten Point Program. But with the campus becoming a hotbed of revolutionary activism, the school board and trustees started moving Merritt College's resources to a new campus in the East Oakland Hills. A place where all the kids behaved themselves, you know? Eventually, the school closed. Take a right and walk down Eileen Street. We're almost to our last destination. The fall of the Panthers can't be tied to any one specific person or event. The government got them on all fronts. At the time, the civil rights movement was exploding. The government was desperate to find an activist scapegoat to make an example of. In 1968, the National Security Advisor, J. Edgar Hoover, said the Panthers were the greatest domestic threat to American national security. Can you believe that? The government attacked the Panthers in three ways. One, lawsuits. Two, FBI surveillance through COINTELPRO. That stands for Counterintelligence Program. And three, murder. The party did a fine job of busting itself up, too, though. Some of the Panthers like Minister of Education, Eldridge Cleaver, wanted the Panthers to lead an armed uprising like Che and Fidel had in Cuba. Others, like Newton and David Hilliard, wanted to grow the survival programs. COINTELPRO forged letters between high-ranking Panthers to get them to distrust each other even more. Newton banished Cleaver from the party on public television. Keep on walking to the end of the block. By 1970, Panther leadership was a mess. Newton had been in prison for the shooting death of police officer John Fry. Seal got locked up with seven other Panthers on charges of inciting riots. Cleaver fled to Cuba after the shootout that killed little Bobby Hutton. And other prominent National Panthers like Fred Hampton and Bungie Carter were murdered by the police. Drugs were the nail in the coffin, though. The Panthers were always about the community, doing things for the greater good. But drugs? Drugs are selfish, you feel me? That poison overwhelmed the party. Some of the Panthers became addicts, others became dealers. Members started fighting amongst themselves. The party lost so much of its dedication and focus. When you get to the corner up ahead, take a left, cross the street, and keep walking. By 1982, there were only 27 Black Panthers left. At the time, Newton was a drug addict scraping by in West Oakland. He was shot and killed by a gang member looking to make a name for himself. Newton told the man, you can take my life but you can never kill my soul. My soul will live forever. Take a left up here. Well, all right. Huey's soul may live forever, but what else? What is his legacy? And the Panthers, what's their palimpsest? The Black Panther Party flamed out quickly. And if we're being honest, in that short of time, their efforts didn't change the government but the model for grassroots revolution that they showed the world. The discipline and determination, the organization and intelligence, the sacrifice and the swag. These were the seeds of a movement that started sprouting up everywhere. The spirit of the Panther survival programs live on through social justice nonprofits like Urban Relief and Beats Rhymes and Life. The Panther sickle cell anemia tests are conducted in the children's hospital that used to be Merritt College. This is Max Kaji, he and his brother started a nonprofit in North Oakland called Fat Beats
3: Produce. We see as the modern-day Food Justice, the, the Free Breakers Program is really the platform, and the rest of us are, you know, sitting or standing on the shoulders of the folks that did
0: that work. And so, you know, obviously our work was inspired by that. There's a park ahead on your left. That'll be our last stop. Stop right here in front of these black gates. The city name is Park Martin Luther King Jr. Park. But for whatever reason, the name never stuck. Most people call it Dover Park. If you look down at your feet, though, you'll see someone's pushing for a different name. Go ahead and walk inside. You'll see a path to your left. Follow it along the edge of the park. Fat Beats flipped this small rundown park into a popping community space. It has a quarter acre of farmland spread along its edges. Anyone who wants a plot can speak with Fat Beats and start planting their seeds. Stay to the left when the path forks ahead. You're going to see a mural of a militant compost lady. Stop right there. Fat Beats has a fellowship program for teens in the area. I caught up with 14 year old Arsima Tedros on the day she was graduated from the program. They had just finished planting some beets and carrots in those beds to your left. All right, Arsima. what is a Fat Beats fellow?
1: A Fat Beats fellow, hmm. I would think it's people who want a change in this world, so who are willing to make an effort, do a small thing, and have a huge outcome.
0: Right on. What do you know about the Black Panthers?
1: I don't know much, but I do know that um, back in the day, A lot of African-American kids weren't getting breakfast, and they weren't doing good in school because they had no energy. So I know the Panthers, they served healthy breakfast to all the kids who needed it so that they could have the chance that every other kid had.
0: Thanks, Arsima. Let's keep walking. Go ahead and give the compost lady a salute before you go. So just past the palm trees, start looking for a different mural. It's a young woman's face. Stop when you see it. This is Donitra Henderson. She lived down the street. Donitra was shot and killed in front of her son in 2013. Three young people were killed by gun violence that weekend. Fat Beats honored her with this mural, a tree, and a plaque. Afterwards, they got together with churches and nonprofits to form something called the North Oakland Restorative Justice Council. They hold space for people to talk about injustice and crime. Rather than just throwing people in jail, they put the victim and the perpetrator in a room, talk it out face-to-face, and find a fair resolution. Like the Panthers at that stoplight or Kimberworth or treeless streets, Fat Beats saw a problem in their community, in this case, a broken, punitive justice system, and they tried to fix it. Okay, keep following the path around the park. Up ahead, right where the path forks again, are some raspberry bushes. And there's a bench around the corner. Sometimes there's berries. Sometimes you just got to go around the back of the bush and find the good ones. The Fat Beats people are cool with you picking a few. There may be some kids doing the same thing. If you don't feel like rolling up your sleeves right now, you can take a seat on that bench to your left. It's nice here. I like this park a lot, though I try to remember something Emery Douglas told me.
1: In order to find out how it really is, you have to talk with the people who are activists, doing stuff socially conscious, who can tell you what's going on. If you don't, then you'll be get you'll just get this illusion of beautification and that is inclusive and, and maybe on a superficial way it is. But when you look underneath, you see that the, the cost of rents are going up. You see that people uh, can't afford to live if you talk to people who are activists and involved and who are challenging those things. Gotta stay sharp, you feel me?
0: Okay, did you find a couple of good berries? When you're ready, follow the path towards the street. That shed over there is where Fat Beats keeps its tables for when they bring food to the farmer's markets. Keep an eye out for their booth, I mean, if that's your scene. Max might be out here working today. Look out for a fellow with curly salt and pepper hair and dirt under his fingernails. See these vegetable plots up on your left? Each row is maintained by a different person in the community. They got little signs saying whose is whose. You should leave the vegetables where they are, but feel free to smell the flowers. We're gonna stop at that last vegetable bear, right next to the signboard. You should be standing in front of a vegetable plot with a sign that reads Auntie Frances. Sometimes her sign is hidden by flowers or corn. Auntie was adopted as a teenager by the Panthers after bouncing between foster homes. She was literally raised by the Panthers. Now she dedicates herself to helping others. Every Tuesday she cooks healthy meals for the homeless near Driver Plaza. She uses these vegetables here and pays for the meal program with her own social security check. Much respect. Go ahead and take a seat at that picnic table on your right or on the hay bales next to it. Eat that snack you picked up and it's all good if you bought one. I'm glad we're ending our tour by talking to our Sima and hearing about the work that auntie's doing. The Panthers aren't gone, and the work isn't done either. There's so much left to do. Like Emory said, it may look prettier than before. There may be more trees than there used to be, big shout Kimba. And there may be little free libraries on these streets, big shout Reno, Nate, and Veronica. But you can't let those things hide all the injustice that still exists. the injustice we're all still a part of. Well, that's it, friends. I'll leave you here with a live performance by The Lumpin'. If you're a little bit curious, or maybe even inspired, check out the flowers on this signboard about ways that you can get involved. Or if you still got that bookmark from Nate and Veronica's library, I suggest checking out Marcus Books down on MacArthur Bar. It's the oldest black-owned bookstore in the country. I tacked up another bookmark, just in case. You can also poke your head into that greenhouse to the right of the signboard you see lots of tiny new plants taking root. It's been a pleasure. All power to the people. Peace.